Welcome into another episode of a Cali Green Monster show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is Thursday morning, April 29th, 2021, and thank God, happy NFL Draft Day. Yes, that's right, tonight at 5 o'clock Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, the NFL Draft round one undergoes. So all those months of speculating, all those months of Justin Fields falling in, in people's projections, all of it has been culminating to tonight. So I'm looking forward to the NFL Draft. Going to be talking a little bit about that, talking about some QB movement that happened yesterday. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk some football just in general. And then last night there was some – one fighting championship on TNT. I think it was their last of their one on TNT cards. I think they were having one every Wednesday night in April. So I think that that was their last one for the foreseeable future. So I want to talk about that because a couple of their stars suffered a you know a couple upset defeats. So probably not some happy people in the one FC brass there watching people they were probably hoping to market future stuff around uh, taking L's. But before I talk about all that, I figure I talk a little bit about COVID-19 one more time. So on yesterday's show, I might have gotten a little fired up talking about, you know, I think that we don't need to have masks by July 4th and saying that anyone thinks that we should, you know, need masks for the foreseeable future. I was just saying that they were dumb as fuck. So, you know, one of the things yesterday is I think I apologized at the end when I said if you didn't enjoy this podcast, I think I apologized. I'd like to take that back. One of the things with this podcast is I want to be unapologetic because I mean what I say. So I take back that apology. And then I'd also want to talk about is that I've always was one of my concerns with COVID-19 is, you know, I had my firstborn son. He was born and COVID-19 happened basically in the middle of his first, you know, before he was one years old. So he didn't even get to have a proper one-year-old birthday party. He hasn't been able to spend time with his family. He hasn't even properly been able to hang out with kids or people without face masks. So I was kind of, I was worried that, you know, my son not really having any real social interaction from the time that he's early on and going, you know, developing into a toddler and as he ages into a kid, I was hoping that it wouldn't affect his social skills. You know, I feel like yesterday, well, not just yesterday, but, you know, anytime he sees people, I think he definitely puts that concern to rest because I don't know if this is a preview of my son just being a very cool, charismatic person, but I swear he is the most chatty, social little baby I could have ever expected. You know, yesterday my wife and I were going out for an evening stroll in our apartment, and one of my things my son loves to do is just kind of hang out in the bushes, and there's this one bush that's kind of up on a hill, and he just kind of stands up there, and, you know, you will call out his name, and he'll just be like, oh, no, 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 and just kind of point at my point with his hand, like kind of like, hey, you, I'm up here, you, you leave me alone right now, and, you know, can't, can't get him down, so we're just chit-chatting, and then um, a mom and her daughter and dog kind of walk by and immediately Marcel just darts down the hill and it's just like 
and just totally starts talking to the mom and talking to the baby and talking and pointing to their dog and being like oh yeah yeah, I see you have a dog like I have a dog as well and like he was totally I mean obviously he's not speaking proper English but you know he's doing his baby jargon and it was really impressive to see you know he was totally just talking to both and you know we told him all right say bye he just like the you know, waves, and then just turned around and just walked away. It was, you know, it was really impressive, and it was happy to see, and it was very encouraging that, you know, throughout COVID-19, that it seems like my son's, you know, development into a charismatic, you know, happy young child is still, is still happening. So, you know, it definitely makes me a happy dad to see, you know, what happened last night happen. So, you know, things aren't all bad in this COVID-19 world, and as I mentioned yesterday, I think we're almost out of it. All right, so let's not talk about COVID-19 anymore. I could already hear people, you know, tuning off the podcast before we even gotten into talking about the NFL draft and fun stuff like football. You know, so yesterday, you know, one of the moves that a lot of people have been speculating about, some people I've even heard last month making this prediction, but Teddy Bridgewater, you know, quarterback for Carolina Panthers last year, he was traded to the Denver Broncos, I think, for a sixth-round pick. You know, so Denver Broncos, they have Drew Locke as their quarterback. And, you know, I think he's only really played two or three years. And he hasn't inspired much confidence in the Broncos fan base and just anyone that covers the NFL. You know, I think a lot of people, when they when they always mention teams that need a quarterback, they keep throwing out Denver because, you know, Drew Locke's one of those dudes that he can look awesome and then he just finds a way to make a bonehead play, you know, so I don't think people are 100% in that this guy is a starting quarterback and especially the future for the Denver Broncos, you know, bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, I think that that is an upgrade over Drew Locke because Teddy Bridgewater's been you know, he, a pretty solid quarterback, I feel, for his time in the NFL. And he's only 28 years old. But still, at 28 years old, this is his fifth NFL team. So, so he broke into the NFL um, with Minnesota. And he had a pretty great, you know, start to his career. I think it's 2015. He had a solid season. And he looked like he'd be the future quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And then at the start of the 2016 season, he tore his ACL, missed the entire 2016 season. And then 2017, I think he came back, but he wasn't quite 100%. So he was back up to Casey Keenum. Casey Keenum balled out as the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. So, you know, Teddy B was basically out of Minnesota. They didn't pick up his option. He signed with the New York Jets, who immediately traded him to New Orleans. You know, at New Orleans, he got to sit behind Sean Payton, learn from Drew Brees. And when he did get to replace Drew Brees for five games in 2019, when Drew Brees broke his hand, you know, he went 5-0. and Definitely increased his stock, and then he cashed in last offseason, signed a $63 million three-year deal with Carolina. So I think there was a lot of people thinking, you know, Carolina obviously had faith in Teddy Bridgewater to run that offense. You know, they have weapons on offense with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and um, Christian McCaffrey. So they were expected to, you know— I don't think a lot of people were expecting Matt Rule and Carolina to be that good of a team, but you know they finished five and eleven, and I feel like they were better than that five and eleven record because if you look back at the season, they had eight losses that were by one score or less, and I think that was definitely by far the most in the NFL. So I think that when the talk this off came out that 
Carolina was a team that was really looking for a quarterback, that they were apparently in on Matt Stafford, that they, you know, they eventually traded for Sam Darnold, that apparently they were inquiring about Deshaun Watson before all of the Sean Watson stuff has happened. So, and I was kind of a little surprised because to me, Teddy Bridgewater was a solid dude. I felt like last year he had a pretty good career or a pretty good season. You know, he threw for 3,700 yards, 15 TDs and 11 interceptions. So while 15 touchdowns and 11 interceptions isn't that impressive, that also goes along with 275 rushing yards and five touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, he was responsible for 20 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, and that's not half bad. But I think when, you know, people are looking at losing eight one-score games, I think people think that, I think Teddy Bridgewater got some of the blame for that. And, you know, a lot of people... I, I, you know, sometimes with the quarterback, sometimes they can get too much credit and too much of the blame. So I don't know what's, you know, with the Teddy Bridgewater situation, what that is. I mean, he didn't have Christian McCaffrey, basically the biggest weapon in Carolina for basically the entire season. So I felt like Teddy Bridgewater did a decent job, and I think he's going to have a good chance to succeed in Denver, there's a lot of weapons in Denver. You have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, you know Noah Fant, you got Melvin Gordon. So there's lots of weapons on offense in Denver. So I think it's just a matter of I think if he gets the starting job, because as I said, I think he's an upgrade over Drew Locke. But from all accounts, they haven't picked a starting quarterback, and I think it would be hard pressed to slot. You know Teddy Bridgewater as the, the starting quarterback only a day after the trade, and it's still being April. And I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is quite at the tier of someone who walks into the locker room and automatically demands like I'm the QB one. You know I don't think he's not quite like Matt Stafford or you know even on the high end kind of like when Peyton Manning or something like. So he's not like nothing like that. But I do think it'll be a situation kind of like where when Cam Newton wound up in New England last year, and by the end of the preseason. It was clear that, you know, he was going to be the starting quarterback. So I think it's good news if you're a Broncos fan. And it'll be kind of curious to see what Denver does in the draft today. I think they're drafting around nine. So, you know, if any of those big-name quarterbacks are still available, you know, if like Justin Fields or Mac Jones happens to be available when they pick, do they go with that and try to develop a young guy behind Teddy Bridgewater? Or are they going to, you know, try to – go with something else so you know nfl draft (laughs) super stoked i can't wait to see all the the picks that happened that all these experts had you know had nowhere near their draft boards that's one of the reasons why i haven't been doing any draft boards because you know i have no idea what a lot of these gms are actually thinking i don't know which one of these teams are actually going to pull the trigger and try to trade up into the draft so rather than speculate you know it's like i'm just kind of taking the news in as it comes try to sift through the bullshit and then just kind of share what you know I can kind of you know see happening so you know one of the teams that a lot of it's kind of cool as a Patriots fan I feel like the NFL draft every year is not something that we get particularly excited about I feel like the NFL draft is something is something definitely for fans of shittier teams or teams that finish middle of the pack that need that extra piece to you know push them towards being a Super Bowl contender and being a New England Patriots fan it's for two decades you know we've either been 
winning Super Bowls in the Super Bowl or in the AFC Championship. So, you know, the Patriots are always, you know, drafting in the end of the first round. So it's nothing really too exciting. But, you know, a lot of people are speculating going into this draft is what the Patriots are going to do, and especially at the quarterback position. So as it stands now, the Patriots are picking 15th, and that's really high for the Patriots considering, yeah, like I said, they're always picking like late 20s. So, and there's a lot of people speculating, you know, are they going to do something with quarterback? Because I'll, there's a lot of, you know, speculation. I gotta, I feel like he'll say speculating, but that's what all this is at this point. You know, until the draft happens, everything that we're going to be saying about potential picks is just all speculation and rumors. You know, so but people are thinking that Justin Fields, who you know for the past couple of years has been the you know the presumed number two pick behind Trevor Lawrence. I guess when they were both high school prospects going into college, they were both considered 1-2. And, you know, even last season, you know, Justin Fields was considered, like, the second-best quarterback um, compared to Trevor Lawrence. And Justin Fields even led Ohio State to beat Clemson in the college football playoff last year. But something happened since, you know, since last time we saw Justin Fields play. And, you know, his stock has just continued to fall. I don't know if it's due to Dwayne Haskins and the history of Ohio State quarterbacks not really succeeding at the NFL level. And so maybe some of that stink has rubbed off on the Justin Fields. But either way, he's gone from being the presumed number two pick or number three pick to projecting to fall all the way to either, you know, nine or 10 or potentially, you know, to 15 with the Patriots. I think falling to 15 might be a bit much. I could see the Patriots trying to trade up a couple spots to get Justin Fields if that's what they intend to do. And, you know, if and also if they do decide to get Justin Fields, I think it would make sense them having signed Cam Newton earlier this offseason. You know, Cam Newton's a mobile quarterback, and I think that he can run like with the the type of offense that they run with Cam Newton, I think that Justin Fields would be able to slot in really well with that. So it would be perfect for him to learn behind Cam Newton and then be able to take over the offense either at the end of the season or in 2022. So that's one of the rumors with the Patriots. But one of the big ones that I saw yesterday, like basically right after I recorded the show in the afternoon, it was kind of a bummer because I got the breaking news and I was like, dude, this would have been perfect to cover on the show rather than ranting about mass and COVID for like 10 to 12 minutes, is that apparently the Patriots are reworking or working with Jimmy G and trying to fix work his contract to hopefully set up a trade with the 49ers. So that's something that's been rumored all offseason as, you know, Jimmy G, a lot of people have been speculating that he's going to be out of the of San Francisco. You know, Kyle Shanahan hasn't really said anything to inspire confidence that Jimmy G is going to be their quarterback moving forward. When asked earlier this week whether Jimmy G will still be on the 49ers come Sunday, Kyle Shanahan said, I can't guarantee if we'll even be anyone will be alive on Sunday. So, you know, what a fucking answer on that one. So, you know, if I'm Jimmy G, I don't feel very confident as to where I'm going to be, you know, by the end of the week. If he does wind up in New England, I think it'd be kind of (laughs) pretty interesting considering, you know, that's, you know, he got traded from New England to San Francisco. And a lot of the drama there was that Tom Brady kind of forced that hand. You know, Jimmy G was the presumed heir apparent to Tom Brady. And Tom Brady had no intentions of 
you know, retiring. I mean, look, he's down in Tampa Bay, reigning Super Bowl champion. And so obviously Tom Brady was right. He still had more in the tank, but it'd be kind of cool to see if Jimmy G comes back. And it's as if that trade never happened. I think Bill Belichick would be pumped with that. And, you know, they traded for Kendrick Bourne in the offseason. So that was one of his wide receivers in San Francisco. So you have a little bit of familiarity there in the receiving corps. You know, with Nelson Aguilar and, you know, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry at tight end, you know, I think Jimmy G would be able to do a lot of damage there. So, you know, if Jimmy G ends up being our quarterback, I'd be stoked at that as well. So, you know, man, honestly, so excited for today. I think that anyone that comes up to me today, if they're like, Dean, like, what are you thinking about? What do you want to do for lunch? I think my answer is going to be like, dude, I can't wait for the NFL draft. Like, I'm going to be busy doing a couple of big, big experiments, and I'll be focused on that. But anytime I have a moment to breathe, it'll be like, oh, my God, what are the Patriots going to do? Is there any breaking news? So super stoked. I can't wait to see what happens. And hopefully it's not a big letdown and the Patriots just, like, select another linebacker at 15 and don't do anything. I'll be like, okay, I guess we were all just speculating and all those rumors were just bullshit. So, you know, and, you know before I transition out of, you know, NFL news and stuff. I just point out that Antonio Brown word came out yesterday that looks like he's reached a deal with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, you know, Tom Brady looks like he's going to be having all of his weapons. You know, they are able to re-sign Chris Godwin. They're able to re-sign Gronk, able to re-sign Antonio Brown. So they're definitely primed and reloaded, like ready to go to try to repeat. So Tampa Bay, you know, they're they're not one of the teams we're probably talking about drafting tonight I don't even think they have a first round draft pick I'd have to double check on that but you know they don't need it their team's stacked and you know they were stacked this year lived up to the hype and I think they might even be better next year considering that the team is uh completely gelled and already have one season under their belts together well, all right, you know, we'll talk more NFL tomorrow where we recap the first round of the NFL draft. But let's move on to some MMA. Yesterday was one on TNT 4, so I watched a couple of those fights. You know, those two big people, like, or two separate fights with, you know, each fight having kind of a one of the one FC's headliners. So the first one being the heavyweight rug rug. He, you know, I watched him first fight on the first one on TNT card. He was like one of the prelim fights that they were showing on Bleacher Report. And, you know, he's a Senegalese wrestler and, you know, he's big, jacked, looks chiseled from stone. He kind of looks like a, a, a wrestling, grappling version of Francis Ngannou. And he had a dominant win. So they slotted him on the main card this time. And, you know, it was he was against this Belarusian dude. I think it was Kirill Grushenko. Obviously never heard of him. I don't know if anyone else here that's listening to this podcast has ever heard of him. But watching the fight, he was good on the stand-up, and he definitely pushed Rug Rug into the deep waters. Rug Rug had never been out of the first round, so, you know, they went to the second round. And to both of these dudes' credit, they, they both bring it. They both, like, landed shots. They both kept coming. And this ended pretty crazy. It was, like, right as the second round bell happened, the Kirill Grishenko got rug rug like he threw a punch like right on rug rug's throat so it was like literally right at the bell and then you see rug rug just grab his throat and just fall down and he wasn't able to continue so the ref stopped the fight so rug rug suffered his first professional defeat it was definitely one of those like 
WTF moments. And, you know, I don't think that means it's an end for anything. I mean, it probably slowed down the hype train because now he's not this undefeated guy out of Africa. But, you know, I still think he's a talented guy. He definitely looks like he's still really green and has a lot to learn. But, I mean, his basics and fundamentals and just toughness, I think, are you know, great intangibles that he has already. So he just needs to polish his skills. And, you know, I think Rug Rug will be someone, you know, we're going to see fighting, you know, for at least the next decade. But, you know, we'll see. And we'll see if he stays in 1FC or if he eventually makes his way across the Pacific to, you know, fight in the UFC. So only time will tell on that one. And in the main event, Eddie Alvarez returned to the cage. So last time we saw him was also on the first one on TNT card. And he was disqualified right away in his fight with Yuri Lapicus because he was on top and throwing punches. And, you know, they were perceived they they were on the back of the head. So that was ruled a no contest. And, you know, considering that he sustained no damage for that fight and had just come out of a training camp. So he was in good shape. They booked him right away. So they booked him in a fight with... Um, Korean Akre Yoon and man dude it was a brawl like Eddie Alvarez got lit up in the first round I don't know how he survived it but he had the survival instincts of a you know a veteran tough as shit dude like honestly Eddie Alvarez is tough as nails he proved it like the fact that he didn't get finished was able to you know keep being defensive while this dude was just raining blows from the top you know he was able to get out of the first round and for the second third round man he just kept bringing it like he looked battered he looked tired but he was still shooting for takedowns he was still going for it but that Akure Yoon that guy was tough you know man these Korean MMA fighters are tough as shit you know you got the Korean zombie and there was that one Korean guy that had that epic war with Cub Swanson I think he was like the Korean super kid or something like that I forget his name Choi I believe but these Korean MMA fighters are intense man they're all action they and they just bring it so you know Eddie Alvarez learned that last night and he dropped the decision you know, so Eddie Alvarez hasn't had the most success since coming over to one championship. You know, I think this is his second loss, and then he has the no contest. So, you know, as a guy that was a former UFC champion and former champion in Bellator and other MMA promotions, and, you know, someone considered the underground king and, you know, one of the best lightweights of, you know, in MMA history, he definitely has been getting the, you know, the wrong end you know, of these decisions or just of these bouts. So I don't know if this, you know, he definitely is on the end tail end of his career. I mean, he's in his late thirties. He's had a 20 year career. So, I mean, I don't know how much longer he does plan on fighting. You know, he still looked good. He didn't have the look of a fighter that was shot. You know, obviously his chin is still somewhat there because, you know, he took a hard shot, but he wasn't knocked out, was able to defend himself and recover, you know, but also at the same time, you know, we're used to Eddie Alvarez, you know, winning all of his fights and you know just being a dude that you know you're gonna pick confidently going into every fight I think those days are probably long gone or not long gone but they're gone now and you know I'll still tune in to watch Eddie Alvarez because he's honestly a violent dude and he likes to fight and and fight in an exciting way but I don't really you know before when he signed with one championship I think it was a foregone conclusion that he'd end up being their lightweight champion but at this point I don't think that's ever going to happen you know for his entire career he'd been fighting at 155 pounds but I think on one championship he's fighting at 170 so I don't know if that fighting at the heavier weight if that's 
you know, negatively affecting him. You know, the, the guy he fought last night, um, Yoon, was, I think, six foot, where Eddie Alvarez is five foot eight. So, you know, he was giving up four inches. And when you're having these exchanges, you know, the guy with the reach is going to have an advantage. And if he's younger and quicker, you know, that's a recipe for not a good night. So it was a bummer to see Alvarez lose, but at least it was an exciting fight. And I don't really think he has anything to be too bummed about, except for the fact that, you know, we all obviously want to win our fights and stuff. So, well, that's all I got for you today. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. You know, if you enjoyed the show, be a friend, tell a friend. If not, you know, just pretend you never listened to it. I appreciate everyone that takes the time to download and listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it. But until next time, I hope you guys enjoy the NFL draft tonight. I have been, I am Dean Ryan. I've been your host. This has been a Cali Green Monster show coming from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.